Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. So this is our scripture for today. It's from John 20. This is verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for all of God's people. Let us say, thanks be to God. Let's stand as we sing together. Okay, I'm going to start out by leveling with all of you because I had to do this in the first service. I wrote this sermon when the sun was out and the weather was nice and I had leftover birthday pie. It is by far the most energetic sermon I have ever written. Now, I understand that the weather outside makes everybody want to go home, eat potato soup, and take a nap. But I need you to dig in for the next, like, 15 minutes and try. Fake it if it's not work. Just laugh at some point. There's lots of fun. I say lots of funny things. So if you find yourself dozing off, just laugh, and you'll come right back. But I have to tell you all, I'm very nervous about giving this sermon, giving what I'm seeing in this moment, all right? So if you need to like shake some things out, I have some theater kids that can show you eight shakes. Um, Let's get your coffee, let's wake up because um, either that or I'm gonna look like a fool and that might be interesting, Um, either way. All right, who in here is like me and loves people watching? Yeah. Riley, you love people watching? (laughs) Um, Tell me, what is better in this life than sitting somewhere with a beverage of some kind, coffee or 
other beverages, and um, watching what the humans around you decide to do with their free time. Like, people watching, what's the best place to people watch? The airport! My God! People walk to see if their gate is there, and then they go and get Starbucks. Like, what, did you think it was going to fly away? Nothing is better than people watching, and like, I've decided something about humans. Y'all are easily entertained. My God, easily entertained. Have you ever watched yourself with this? With these? All right, those of you in here that are our more seasoned saints that lived before technology, when did you ever sit down for four hours and do one thing? No, but have you watched you people scroll through Facebook, and you say you don't even like Facebook, but you keep scrolling through it. So easily entertained. And I'm guilty of this too. Um, okay, so uh, water. You ever been to like a park or a plaza and they literally put like three jets in the ground that just shoot up water? We stare at that for hours. And kids tell me, you don't go run and play in it like it's the coolest thing and all your parents needed to do was just put a PVC pipe in the backyard. Right? Now here's my question. If I took this cup and I threw the water in the air, would it be entertaining? It would because Mr. Rusty would yell at me. However, is it as entertaining as the fountains at the Bellagio in Las Vegas? Well, why not? It's water in the air. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Let's talk about fireworks. Have you met you people when there's fireworks? Oh my God. And every time, every time there's fireworks, there's at least one person filming it. And it's always with an iPad, it's never with like a nice camera or your phone, filming it. Who has ever been at home scrolling through your phone and thought, you know what I wanna watch? I don't like sports, I don't like Bravo, I don't like watching the same movie, no, I'm gonna watch that fireworks show from that one time in downtown Garland. <laughs> now this is about to sound real West Texas, and they totally made fun of me in first service for this, but who in here has ever shut off fireworks in your backyard? <laughs> who here has seen awesome fireworks show at Disney World? Same thing, right? Okay, okay, all right, how about this? If you come and tell me you like the sermon and this is the only thing you reference, I will not accept it. But watch what happens when you do this. Sweet Caroline. Y'all are so easily entertained. My goodness. What fascinates me about humans is that we are easily entertained, but we are not so easily amazed. Who in here likes the Olympics? Who in here becomes experts in a weird, obscure sport every four years when the Olympics rolls around? Who in here sits on their couch while eating an entire tub of ice cream, watching Olympic diving and said, she blew that three and a half tuck. <laughs> Who in here could honestly do better? Liars. <laughs> 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 
The best part is when I do children's time now, like it's so interactive, so when I get up here to do this, it's the same. Um, all right, sports fans, sitting at home on the couch eating ice cream, popcorn, we'll say popcorn, and you're yelling at the TV, and you're like, ref, that was so obvious, and you've got like 15 angles mega zoomed in in slow motion, and all the referee has is their two eyeballs and what they saw in that moment. Like we could do better. Or, Singers. Have you met you people when you don't like a singer? Oh my, good. have you ever met somebody who makes their entire personality not liking country music? They will tell you within the first two and a half minutes of knowing you that they don't like country music and they will roast George Strait, Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood, Carrie Underwood, as if they could sing better. Perhaps not country music, but let's not you guys, but at other churches, they have people, not y'all, who might say not so nice things about the other worship style of the service they don't attend. Not you guys. You would never. I just don't like the organ. What? I just don't, I don't like the guitars. I don't think I can feel Jesus when there's a guitar. Not you guys, though. Other churches. Not y'all. Or like my girl Taylor Swift is under fire right now for existing. Who in here could sing 43 songs in three hours with 16 outfit changes and not take a break? Liars again. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even have 16 outfits. All right, how about a more historical example? Who in here was not allowed to listen to Elvis because of the choices he made with his hips? Mm-hmm. Yeah, only the real Christians were banned from Elvis. But we can't help but like, and Elvis is entertaining, but we're, but we're somehow not amazed. We are easily entertained, but not so easily amazed. So I feel really bad um, for Thomas in the Bible, um, especially when we have to preach this story, because it's so unfortunate. Because when you heard we were talking about Thomas today, you don't know him as Thomas. Who do you know him as? Doubting Thomas. Can you imagine one mistake in your life and they, call, they make that your new first name? How about liar Carrie Lynn for the rest of my life? Doesn't sound so good, does it? How about Steeler McLean? Not ideal. <laughs> How about doubting Riley? Oop. But it's like really unfortunate. <laughs> He said, hey, that's my dog's name. Don't call her Doubting Riley. She's probably doubted you, though. Or how about, like, made an accident in the house, Riley? You don't want to call her that. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's, like, it's so unfortunate because, like, Thomas utters this one sentence, and, like, his friends, when they write the Gospels later, are like, you know what I'm going to write down? When Thomas messed up. And then for the rest of history, what do you know him as? Doubting Thomas. Can anyone tell me the other two times that Thomas is mentioned in the Gospel of John? I won't even say the other Gospels. The Gospel of John. What else did Thomas do? Okay, so there are two other times that Thomas is mentioned in the Gospel of John, like one chapter before the Doubting Thomas situation. In chapter 11, it's in the middle of the story where Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead, 
And Thomas um, hears Jesus is talking about death, and everybody thinks he's talking about Lazarus' death, but Jesus is talking about his death, and Thomas understands what's going on. And Thomas says, let's go to Jerusalem, I will die with you. And the rest of the disciples look at him like, what? There is one moment where like, the disciples never get it, and this is a moment where one of them gets it, and it's doubting Thomas. Now, the other time he's mentioned is not as ideal. Um, it's again in the Gospel of John, and they're um, going through um, the Last Supper. Jesus has um, instituted communion. Jesus has washed their feet. Um, an example of third grade Sunday school, what was the word? Not, pr- not prideful, but humility. humility. Good job, Patty. I should have really prompted you better. That was great. Um, but Thomas is sitting there at the, at the table with the disciples, and Jesus, and you've heard this at every funeral, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to prepare one for you. Why would I tell you I'm going to prepare a room for you if I wasn't actually doing it? And Thomas says, it's not in Google Maps. No, Thomas says, how are we going to know how to get there? You're not telling me where it is. And Jesus, and this is one of my favorite answers Jesus ever gives. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's still not very helpful in the moment, right? Like if I was Thomas, I'd be like, I still don't know, like east, west, right, left, past the Dairy Queen, help me out. And so then with Thomas, it's when he totally gets it, when he totally does not, and this. And so In the first half, there's two parts of this passage we talked about. In the first half, the disciples are gathered in a house. It says that it's locked. And locked houses in this time is not like your deadbolt that you have. Um, It was like a a wooden plank that would have been like set into some metal slats to lock the door. And then this is like one of my favorite things. Jesus just like appears and says, peace be with you. When have you ever been behind a locked door and anybody's appeared and said, peace be with you? If so, that's concerning. But, but like, it's a really, like, Jesus doesn't knock. Jesus doesn't, like, come through the ceiling. Like, he just kind of shows up. And he shows them his hands and he shows them his side. And they say, oh, my goodness, it's Jesus we believe. And they run to tell Thomas because they're good friends. Thomas isn't there, so they're going to go tell their friends what they know to be true. And they run to tell Thomas like any good friend does. And then Thomas utters this one sentence that solidifies his reputation throughout all of history. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And in that one sentence, regular Thomas becomes doubting Thomas for forever. Now, when I look at this story, I think sometimes that we like, we like to plus one ourselves, be like, Psh, doubting Thomas, what a goof. But when I look at this story, I go, oh my goodness, there's, there's another one of me. Who in here doesn't like proof of things? Fact checking. Um, any academics in here when you wrote a paper and you had to cite a source? How many sources did you have to have to claim a fact in a paper? At least 10? Texas A&M is rough. Um, <laughs> at Duke, they make me do two. Um, but 
you can't ever claim anything with just one source. Or if somebody tells you like, hey, hey, I know something about so-and-so. And you're like, well, who'd you hear it from? And they're like, well, I only heard it from this person. But if they say like, nah, the entire Sunday school class was talking about it, then you've got proof. Thomas asks for proof. And, and we look down on Thomas as if we don't want proof of things either. But Thomas needs to see and needs to feel. Thomas is entertained by the story that his friends tell him, but he's not amazed. So in this series, we're talking about, uh, we've done a lot of interesting research on magic tricks, which pastors never do, by the way. Um, But David taught us about the first part. Y'all know magic tricks have three parts. David taught us the first part last week, and it's called the pledge. And the pledge is where you take the ordinary object and you prove to everyone it's ordinary and it behaves like it should, right? You prove that the deck of cards is not a trick deck. You prove that you don't have anything in your hands or up your sleeves. That's called the pledge. And the second part is called the turn. This is the part of the magic trick where the ordinary thing does something that it shouldn't. This is the part of the magic trick where if you're with a lively enough audience, everybody goes, how did they do that? It's when they pull the quarter out of your ear, when they reveal that the woman's not sawed in half, where they hold out and they say, is this your card? And you go, how did they do that? The how did they do that moment is the resurrection moment. It's when we are both entertained and amazed. The resurrection is a how did he do that moment when it comes to Jesus. But Thomas needed a little more proof than his friends. And for some reason, we find it within our rights to speak about Thomas in a negative light as if we would do anything different. That he is somehow worse than the other disciples because he needed proof. But who in here wouldn't need a little bit of proof of something miraculous? Who in here needs to hear something from two reliable sources before believing it. What I love about this story, and I, I kind of didn't realize until like this week, um, we look down on Thomas, but you know who doesn't look down on Thomas? Jesus. Because remember what it says. A week later, they were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He did his appearing thing again. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus does not condemn Thomas. The first thing that Jesus does when he appears in front of Thomas is he says, look, I'll prove it to you. Look, touch, feel. Believe me. Because Jesus could have walked in and said, you are the worst of these 11. 
you get no dessert. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus walked in and said, I'll show you. Are we really even that different from Thomas? Thank you, Berkeley. Are we entertained by the resurrection, but we forget to be amazed? When you hear the story of the resurrection, like, like, don't you think it's the coolest thing ever? The children are getting my point. <laughs> when you come to church on Easter Sunday, which you guys are here the two weeks after, so you're not the people that come only on Easter Sunday, good job. But when you come to church on Easter Sunday, you've got your great outfit on, you've got the family dressed up, you've got the children matching for the first time since Easter of last year, you've got everybody lined up, you've done the Easter bunny, you come in, you do the cross, you take your perfect family picture that you can put on Facebook later as you scroll for four hours doing nothing again. You sit down and it is Easter Sunday and we all sing the same song, Christ the Lord is risen today. And don't you sit there and you go, oh my gosh. No, you don't. <laughs> it's okay to say you don't. Jesus' dead body was not where it was supposed to be. And it was also not a dead body. Jesus resurrected from the dead. You should be amazed at the best miracle that ever happened. God loved humans so much that God decided to become a human. And did God just appear as the coolest, strongest, mightiest human we've ever seen? No. God came as a baby. Was born of a woman like every single person in here. God learned how to walk. God learned how to talk. God learned how to, to eat. God had to be potty trained. Then God spent three years doing what is seemingly small stuff. Healing the sick. Helping blind people see. Feeding 5,000 people with a small lunch basket. Or when he came across people like Zacchaeus that the rest of the world didn't like, Jesus said, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. And then God died, which God's not supposed to do that. And in no other religion does God spend that much time with the humans, much less die for the humans. And throughout all of history, up until this point, when someone died, that was the end of the story. That was it. But three days later, the women are going to the tomb to do their usual after-death care. They have done this many times. They know how it goes. They know what it's going to look like. They are prepared for this moment. And they go, and his dead body is gone. And it has not been stolen in some kind of weird prank. But instead, God did what God shouldn't do, and God died, but then God does what God does and said, death is not the end of my story. And then said to you, death is not the end of your story either. And it's not even the only part of your story. The fact that Jesus raised from the dead is entertaining, but it is also amazing. 
The resurrection of Jesus is not a regular story. You remember how disappointed you said you were going to be if I just threw this in the air and called it the Bellagio? The Bellagio is the resurrection. This is not. Or Disney World fireworks? Not on your iPad. In real life. So different than shooting them off in your backyard. The resurrection is that. The resurrection is an entire room of people knowing what to do after their pastor sings two words of sweet Caroline. The resurrection's a lot better than that. In writing this sermon, I, um, I didn't write an ending, and I always do. I, I write every word I'm going to say. Pastor David does not, which is why he's better at this than I am, but I write every word I'm going to say, and I know it the night before, and I practice it, but I didn't write an ending to this sermon because I had no idea how this was gonna go. And I got to spend this week looking at the resurrection and being amazed by it again. The resurrection is not just something that we wait for. We live in this life and we wait to die and then, oh, we get the resurrection. But the resurrection means that we get to live a life abundant now. We get to experience God's goodness our whole life and even more after. That should make somebody say, wow, thank you. The resurrection means that you are good enough for God right now. Kids, look at me. God does not care how your star test turns out or what's on your report card. You are good enough for God right now. You don't need to be older to be good enough for God. Parents, you are good enough for God no matter what college they get into. If they even go to college, you are good enough for God right now. Grandparents, you are good enough for God right now. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point, what you will do, you are good enough for God. Retired people, you are good enough for God even if you are not doing the thing that made you good enough for the world anymore. You are good enough for God right now, and the resurrection says so. That should make someone say, wow. <laughs> that should make an adult say, wow. <laughs> the kids are, like, really beating y'all today. <laughs> resurrection makes you good enough for God. It is something that is entertaining. Yes, it's a great story, but it's amazing because it means something. Don't let it get stale. I have known that Jesus resurrected from the dead since before I knew stuff. It's an old story in my brain, but it's not. This week I got to see the resurrection in a new light, and so my challenge for you all this week, no matter how old or young you are, how many times you've read the Bible, how much you think you know it, look for the resurrection of Jesus. It is going to show up in new ways. The resurrection of Jesus showed up yesterday when I'm sitting in a soccer game and Emma Maxwell runs up and hands me the smallest little flower. 
The resurrection means something in a new way. When rain falls and it keeps plants and our entire ecosystem working. Don't let it just be something that's entertaining. But let the resurrection continue to be something that is amazing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time and this space to be together, to laugh, to sing songs, and to enjoy community with one another. God, we thank you for all of the stories in our Bible and all the things that we get to come here to church to learn. But this morning, God, we ask that you would turn our hearts to be thankful for the resurrection, for what it means for us later, but what it means for us now. And God, for anyone in here who does not believe, we ask that you would help us show them your hands, show them your side, so that they would know that your love for us goes beyond anything we could ever imagine. Let the resurrection continue to be not just entertaining for us, but amazing. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.